Hi, my name is Katie Malone. And I'm Brendan, the husband. And you're listening to The Little Flock, the podcast that offers practical insights about living a counterculture of goodness, truth and beauty in a world of increasingly hostile secularism and indifference. So, if you're looking to learn from two imperfect followers of Christ about how to live like the wheat amongst the darnel, this is definitely the podcast for you. Hi everybody, welcome along to this month's episode of the Little Flock podcast. My name is Brenda Malone. And I'm Katie Malone. It is great to be back with you again, isn't it Katie? Absolutely. It's hard to believe, it's uh, it's almost Easter, it is now the fourth month of the year. I sound like someone declaring the town cry. It is their fourth <laughs> month of the year, but it's it's sort of, the year is just steamrolling. Marching along. Yeah. It's April, but it's marching. Can you march a steamroller? No. Oh, I see what you did there, marching into April. Mm. I'll do the dad jokes around here. Thank you very much. Uh, All the best ones are from mine anyway. Uh, you're about to go away on a trip. Before we talk about the trip that you're about to go away on, please, folks, if you are new here, uh, share this podcast. If you enjoy the content, let other people know about it. Make sure that you subscribe. And if your platform allows you to give us a rating, then please give us a little rating, some stars, a comment or two. Uh, that all really, really helps the show. If you want to support our work, you can do that. There's two ways to do that. One is at patreon.com forward slash leftfootmedia. And if you become a regular patron with $5 or more per month, you'll get access to all of our monthly uh, uh, content that we produce on Left Foot Media. And that's about, I did the maths the other day, it's over 12 hours worth of content, brand new content every month, commentary staff, current affairs, politics, uh, there's a new interview show that we have each month. There's there's lots of stuff going on there. The other way you can support us, if you are based in New Zealand and you want to get a uh, tax receipt for your contribution, then uh, just go to lifenet.org.nz and uh, there's a donor page on our website there. So lifenet.org.nz. And if you become a regular donor that way, then you can get a tax receipt at the end of the financial year and claim it back on your tax Last but not least, uh, we answer your questions. And if you want to send us your questions, the easiest way to do that is to go to lifenet.org.nz. That's L-I-F-E-N-E-T.org.nz. And you'll see at the very top of the homepage, there's a scrolling banner. You click on that scrolling banner and you can send us your questions. Just fill in the form. You can do it anonymously. We don't give away names or anything like that, but you can also fill out the form totally anonymously. And uh, ask any question at all that you want to or suggest topics and we will happily talk about them. Right, Katie, you're going away on a trip. I am. Where are you going? I'm going to uh, Paris and Italy. Like like the Paris. The the Paris, Paris, France. Not to be confused with all Paris's in America. For those who are wondering, I'm not a... um, Dumb husband, we we're doing a bit here. I I am astute <laughs> enough to know that my wife is about to head away overseas with a couple of our daughters. It's a trip that's been postponed. Your your awesome parents shouted before COVID hit, and COVID hit and completely upended everyone's plans. Yeah, right, it's very upsetting. But I think actually the girls are a bit older now; they probably appreciate what they're getting more. Yeah, to some extent. So it's probably a good thing in some ways. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'll be here uh, putting into practice a lot of what we've talked about on previous episodes mm-hmm. of this podcast. Doing my best to. Uh, make sure that the dinner is not burnt each night and that our kids are not eating takeaways. 
every single every single night. No, oh no, the <laughs> week just five nights would be enough. Um, no, just kidding. Katie had a sudden worried look on be, her face. Uh, no, I think you'll be here delegating the nearly sixteen-year-old to make sure that it's not burnt. Yeah, that, that's true. Actually, she is awesome, man. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. Uh, let's just jump straight into it, then, shall we? Um, because. We normally we'd be recording this podcast about the second week of the month, but because Katie's going away, yeah. we're doing it a little bit earlier. And we've got uh, Easter coming up as well, so we thought it was a great opportunity to talk about stuff like that. Before we do that, though, and we answer your questions and talk about a couple of other things, there's this this massive global event that has happened, and it all emanated. Emanates a good word, isn't it? I love mm-hmm. that word. It emanated out of New Zealand about two weeks ago when that lady, Kelly J. Keen Minchel, who's also known as Posey Parker, she's a woman's rights activist and, and advocate, advocate, yeah, advocate, who came to New Zealand to speak at a peaceful event and the event was obviously, well, it was shut down by a rather angry and turned into a violent mob of people who opposed her. Um, and I thought, we're not going to relitigate any of that, but I, I just thought, Katie, it'd be interesting to get your take. If you're a regular listener to some of the other Left Foot Media content, you'll know that I have actually talked about and provided quite a bit of commentary around that issue myself. But I thought it'd be interesting to hear your take as a woman. What is a woman? You are a woman. So, so let's answer that it's question. Uh, what, what, what was your take on that as a, as a female looking at all of that, um, that whole hubbub? Hullabaloo and other associated words. <laughs> I have to be completely words. honest, I didn't follow, read everything about it. So yeah. I only really know what I saw in the, the headlines and on Facebook kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think that she had a good point to make. Yeah. She's speaking for people that need to be heard mm. and that the way she was treated was basically atrocious. Wow. My, no in punches. A, in a nutshell. No punches were pulled there. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got their own opinion on things, right? Like. Mm. And I feel like hers should be heard. Yeah. I feel like hers is valid in that, especially as a woman speaking about women wanting to be safe yeah. in spaces where they should be safe. Mm. Um, does, that, does, that, does that issue resonate with you then? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because yeah. Yeah. the other side is saying, oh, no, 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 it's all just a load of nonsense and women are totally fine and it's only these weird extremists who, who have these and safety trans concerns. woman would never hurt anybody, et cetera, yeah, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I've spoken to other women that are on all different sides of the coin yeah. with regards to what they think about transgender um, and they all feel generally that um, women should certainly be allowed their own bathrooms, that yeah. kind of thing, you know, yeah. like – yeah. Yeah, and it's for, pretty for basic, isn't with, it? With four daughters, prisons, like bathrooms, yeah. changing rooms, crime stats is one I hadn't thought yeah. about. They they talk a lot about that. How if um, someone who's a trans identifying person commits a crime, then why should females or males for that matter really have the crime recorded, uh, recorded against ah, their yeah, their gender? I thought that's, that's a really good point, actually. So, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And I don't know, did you catch the news last night? Well, you probably didn't because the news media have not covered this at all. No. But our Prime Minister last night in the press conference, he does a Monday night, for those who don't know, maybe you're overseas listener, the New Zealand Prime Minister every Monday night or Monday evening, early evening, does a special media press conference and – like this is the the time where you really ask the big questions and they get turned into media stories and so it's a it's a it's a big deal. Mm. Well, at his press conference last night, there was a, a journalist there who was just great, and uh, he asked a really good question, and he said to him, um, "In light of all of this, can you define what a woman is?" 
and he couldn't answer. He stuffed it up. He 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 sat there and literally looked at him from the podium. It felt like forever. I think it was probably 10 seconds of dead air. <laughs> he just looked and wasn't sure. And then he fumbled and yeah. I don't really know. I wasn't prepared. And I suppose there's gender and I suppose there's biological <laughs> sex and people identify their own gender. And, and honestly, no wonder the media didn't cover it. But um, I like, it's funny. Eh? I, I, I get the feeling that things like that, and and this is what I'd love to hear your take on is that as a bloke, I'm kind of like, well, I'm a bloke and I think this is dumb and it's foolish because it affects us as men as well. If you can't define what gender is mm. and it's all just a, a, a fabrication that exists in people's minds, then that affects all of us. Yeah. But I think as blokes, maybe we're a little bit more, I don't know, we're a bit blockheaded. Maybe we're a bit more mm. immune to some of the stuff. So I, I get the feeling that these kinds of things really impact females, though, because of the unique otherness of what femininity is. Mm. It's it, you, you like to to, in a sense, uh, masculinity is important. Mm. Don't get me wrong. I'm not uh, listeners. Don't panic. Please don't send your complaint letters in. Um, <laughs> but masculinity is important. But it's it's almost like masculinity. Um, it's a bit more straightforward. Mm. Whereas what females and womanhood brings to the world is actually so beautifully unique and much mm. more complex. And just to erase all of that, mm. I get the feeling that females really feel the burden of that a lot more. Is that a yeah, fair assumption? I, so. I think I feel like um, the uniqueness of femininity is being trampled on a wee bit. And it's mm. a bit stupid, really, if you think about the women's rights battle that has raged for years and years, mm. that it's kind of almost being trampled down again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's almost like there was never they never established a solid anthropology, did mm. they? It was feminism became um like you'd have to say there was an authentic feminism that started with a good anthropology and it came out of interestingly enough, it's really Christianity mm. that it comes out of. And it's tied intimately to virtue, how you should treat people, particularly those who are uh more vulnerable. And I don't mean vulnerable as in sort of weak Mm. A victim sort of helpless mentality but what I mean is that they are they don't have the same strength or advantage that you might have so blokes mm. have a certain strength in the world right and so um uh, yeah it comes out of Christianity and then they lose sight of Christianity and it turns into like it's about Marxism and power and you know men are the patriarchal oppressors and and then all of a sudden it's devolved again now into mm. into um this very weird power game where women are actually on the losing end of it. Mm. I agree with you. Right. <laughs> so I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. It's good. We, we just sort of try and be topical, throw our thoughts into the mix, <laughs> you know. Um, another topical thing was this article that appeared in the media at the end of March, 31st of March. And we're not going to go into detail about the article because it, it's just, you know, there's opinions mm. and then there's opinions. Mm. And uh, and apparently opinions are news. Well, it yeah, really is like <laughs> a... The, I, I, there's this very crass saying, but I won't. I think it's an Australian saying. It was where I heard it first anyway about a, opinions are, are like bottoms. Everybody has one, and we don't <laughs> want to see it in public all the time. Thank you very much. And right. so, so there's a lot of opinion out there now. But this, and we're not going to go into details on this one because it is pretty. Um, it was pretty toxic, I thought. But basically, the gist of it is this: there's. A, I didn't realize this was happening, but apparently, there's a bit of a trend happening—a TikTok trend, a, uh, a social media trend. Yeah, Katie rolls her eyes every time you hear TikTok trend. You're like, okay, who's eating? My eyes, my elbows get exercised every time someone <laughs> <says> TikTok. <laughs> who's drinking um, blooming washing powder now? <laughs> you know, like, um, but no. Apparently, what's happening is a lot of people are getting online and saying, "Hey, look, um, celibacy, abstinence." 
not constantly having sex um, is actually, it's a life-saving thing. It's a really life-giving thing and you should embrace it. And apparently, I'm not surprised by this because it's true, it is. Mm. And um, so this lady called Jana Hocking, I think she's an Australian, sort of one of those socialite, social commentator type people. I think she's late. 30s now, almost 40. I don't think she has any kids. She describes herself in this article as a collector of boyfriends. Mm-hmm. You know, all that other she sort of... She identifies as a teenager. Yeah, yeah. She's like, she still hasn't grown up, I, I would suggest, in a, in a lot of ways. And and unsurprisingly, she just absolutely attacks this trend. Mm-hmm. Says, no, it's bad, it's wrong, it's stupid, it's, this is, this is taking women backwards and really, <laughs> really like poured it on thick about how... I mean, she pra- all but practically called it evil, right? Like, mm. you know... So we thought today, rather than highlighting and looking at her negativity and then sort of critiquing it, we'd just, I guess, just throw a few thoughts into the mix about the fact that we think that in actual fact, chastity, modesty, mm. uh, abstinence, celibacy, I guess, depending on your circumstance, mm. um, basically virtue in our sexuality is actually yeah. a really beautiful, a good thing. And it's not just a moral thing. Practically speaking, it is a lifesaver and a a, a a relationship transformer. It really is quite a powerful thing, mm. eh? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. How can you have genuine friendship if you're constantly jumping into bed with people? Yeah. You know, and um, I think when you when you're committed to a life of celibacy or chastity, like before marriage, or you know, once you're married to one person, you're committed to that one person, then you don't looking at each relationship for what you're going to get out of it mm. in that sense. And, you know, I mean, you can go into all kinds of details about why jumping into bed with random people every mm. weekend is not a good thing to do. Yeah. You know, from it's a, a very, physical health and yeah, mental health point of view. A, in fact, yeah. it's really dumb. Yeah. Really dumb. If you are looking to take the riskiest mm. path with your sexuality, that's how you do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And it would be just really nice to see in the media, if we're going to have opinions about how much she hates people being celibate. Mm. Why can't we have an article about how special sex is and how beautiful yeah. it is and what a gift it is to yeah. a couple, you know, yeah. as opposed to yeah. this kind of clickbait, which, you know, I guess is why we don't have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is, it's clickbait, right? Um, but the, the, to write off, it's quite troubling to see someone um, – writing off like literally she calls it mm-hmm. like it's rubbish it's bs it's it's like trying to claim that it's something that actually is good for human flourishing is mm. just not true and you shouldn't do it and instead you should be taking the risky path mm. um and the funny thing is too it's like well how would you know yeah, like you it, i'm a collector yeah. of boyfriends well how would you know like yeah Whereas those of us who have actually been uh on both sides of the track or who have a bit more experience and have, have lived through periods mm. of it and have, and who regularly it's part of who we are in our relationships right. because there's almost a fantasy here right in a sense that um the human person is supposed to be having sex the whole time and yeah that's right like yeah one way to to really resolve that delusion is to actually get yourself married and realize <laughs> that and it's a beautiful and good thing i know a lot of people complain mm. about this but I, I don't think we should actually it's a you realize where the priorities really lie mm. and that call to love Mm. is actually it's much bigger and, and it's certainly far more important than simple gratification. And I think it clouds a relationship as well that, um, you know, if you're having sex outside of marriage or outside of a relationship, then you're not actually seeing the true relationship mm. or seeing the person for what they are. Mm. So um, I know for me, living chastely before marriage and living mm. chastity in marriage, that's not what the marriage is about. 
Yeah. It's not what the relationship is about. No. You don't have to have sex to have a relationship with someone. No. You know? No. Yeah, and it's a it's a funny thing. I think it's a toxic hang-up from the sexual mm. revolution, really. Mm. This flawed – well, it's actually, no, it's before that. It's Sigmund Freud and this idea that somehow you're – uh, you're in a state of repression if you're not mm. co- engaging in every desire, and then that, that's a bad, evil thing. And that, yeah. in fact, at one point there were people truly who were claiming that sexual repression, and some people still believe this, that sexual repression was the cause of things like Nazism in the world. Mm. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy. Like it's that's how we're sort of, and sadly, even sometimes in Christianity, we can fall prey to a little bit of that. Um, not ordering our desires towards love. That's mm. the key, right? Love That's is right. the key. And self-giving love, uh, virtue, is just yeah. so fundamental yeah. to the human experience and to our sexuality. And if you don't get that, mm. you're going to be in real trouble. And even if you're a married couple who are you know, people of faith who are married, mm. you're still going to be in real trouble if you think that, okay, uh, the, the bare minimum requirement here is that we're supposed to get a marriage license and do this in a church and then it's a free-for-all. Mm. You know, mm. you will be in relationship trouble if that's mm. your approach, right? Well, what happens if down the track someone gets sick and, you know, sex yeah. is off the table for a while because it's just not practical or yeah. fair on the other person? Yeah, that's like, right. What's your relationship built on, you know? Yeah. And funny enough, actually, I, I remember someone once very wisely said to me, um, the devil doesn't look like a guy with, a, 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 you know, red horns and a, and a cape and a pitchfork. The devil looks like everything you've ever wanted. Mm-hmm. And it's I really do think that's kind of true. I can't remember who it was I heard talking about this. It might have been Jordan Peterson or something like that, uh, about how I was quite surprised, taken back initially, but then I, the more I reflected on it, the more I thought, no, this is true, that basically having everything you've ever wanted would be hell on earth. Mm. And I thought, yeah, that, that is actually very, very profound and true. And so what we're seeing now is actual um, reports from couples who are saying, well, things like chastity in our marriage, where you have periods of abstinence and stuff like mm. that, for whatever reason, actually means that sex in our marriage, because it's not on demand, it's not on tap, mm. it's actually, it remains something special. Mm. And we're starting to see research appearing pointed that out. The people who are not constantly having sex mm. – they're actually uh, they find the sex more um, meaningful mm. and more flourishing and more life giving as a mm. result because it's not just a thing that you're doing all the time. Yeah. It has some special sacred meaning, you know. Yeah. I guess it's like eating treats all the time; they yeah, become boring. Yeah. When I read the article, it made me think of an alcoholic that's going no, no, no. Everybody <laughs> else is going sober. There's yeah. a big, not only that's I didn't know about the celibacy comparison. trend, but there is a yeah. trend towards less alcohol and. Yeah. Kind of generational two below us. Yeah. A lot of them don't drink. Yeah. Um, or they're drinking alcohol free drinks or which is yeah. awesome. Like it's great that that's out there. Um, but it sounds like she's kinda of going, Well, no, I'm still gonna go out and yeah. have my have my cosmopolitans and have my fun and Yeah. Yeah, you guys are all just crazy. Yeah. And that to me is a little bit like, ooh, like yeah, you're hooked on something here. Yeah, it's you know? it's pro- maybe she's numbing her pain. Yeah, yeah. I I I would you know, and I don't mean this in a nasty way, but um I it'd be interesting to come back and say 10, 15, 20 yeah. years and say to her, well, here you are now that you're what, 55, almost 60 now. Mm. Do you really think that was wise, what you were telling people? Um, or was this you just not seeing the wood for the trees, you mm. know, and and missing the, the uh, you're right, sort of desperately trying to hold on to something that's not real because you're trying to numb yourself yeah. to the fact that I'm 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 about to hit forty. I've got no kids. I don't think she's married. Mm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like like. Yeah. Whereas maybe it's almost like I'm um, projecting onto those other people almost a certain jealousy or anger that you've mm. missed out on something. 
Mm. I remember someone once saying to me once too, and I thought this was quite wise, she said that um, when she realised that you couldn't simply just uh, jump into bed all the time, you were forced to actually communicate about problems and solve that's right. And genuinely communicate and solve yep. problems that appeared in a marriage. So, yeah, yeah lots, lots of positives. Conversations, oh my goodness. Yeah, conversation, the, the lost art of conversation. It's funny that, <laughs> eh, all these articles about how to have better sex, yeah. I suspect that people would actually like to see a lot more articles about how to have better conversation. Yeah. You know, how to talk. People would get a lot more out of it, but maybe they wouldn't click on it as much. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how to, to communicate like a like a communication maniac instead of how to have sex like a sex maniac, you know? Communication maniac. Yeah, well, you know, I'm just borrowing the phrases here. Um, <laughs> yes. Now, Easter is coming up this weekend. Oh, topic change. Yeah, yeah. That was a quick topic change, wasn't it? Um, speaking of Easter, uh, it is, and we weren't, but now we are, uh, it's Easter this coming weekend, and um, I think... I think we might have talked about Easter traditions on a previous episode. I I, I thought it was Christmas traditions, but yeah, we I think it's like something we would have talked we, about. It's possibly something, but what we thought we'd do is we'd talk about actually Easter in light of this um, cool little article that we saw uh, about uh, how you can basically teach Easter in the domestic church. And for those who have never heard that phrase before, the domestic church is the family home. Mm-hmm. It's the place where the, the faith is first nurtured and taught and handed on and very, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that term, the domestic church. Um, and this article, it's a pretty simple article actually, and this guy's just suggesting some ways that maybe we could actually um, you know, ensure that for our children and in our family home, Easter isn't just a sort of, oh, yeah, that was it, went to church, over and done with, that, that we really sort of mm. get our kids into the beauty of this thing because – there's something about it that really is quite life-giving and to understand and immerse yourself in that. Because if you're a Christian, then Easter is the remembrance and celebration of the you know, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. It is the life-giving, saving mystery of our faith. It's quite profound. And so it's really, it is the most important thing we could reflect on. And so finding ways to do that is really good. I'm, I don't know about you, Katie, but me personally, this week, one thing I've been doing is I've um, decided to to sort of uh, really well. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't say ramp up the Lent a little bit more, but <laughs> I, I made you know in our house people make sacrifice for Lent. They they say, well, I'm, I'm going to perhaps avoid this food that I quite like, or I might do this extra thing, or pray an extra hour a week, or whatever it might be, you know, for each Lent. But um, on on now that we're in Holy Week, I thought, well, what I'd do this year is uh, I just deny myself um, something a little extra that I hadn't been part of my Lenten thing and that each morning in my prayer I just sort of work through and focus on the the it's the accounts from John's gospel mm. leading up to the passion sort of just trying to have like a mini Beautiful. retreat if you know sort of and then leading into Easter um, but in this article this guy talks about some um, quite cool little ideas so one thing he talked about he says this it's as not a ch- hey darling oh isn't it you sure Oh, it's, it isn't. You're right. It's Hayley Stewart. Wow, there you go. Hayley Stewart fangirl. Could be a he these days. <laughs> no, Do you know Hayley Stewart? I don't know her, but I follow her on the Insta. Do you? Yeah. Wow. I've, I've read her stuff for years. So yeah. any fans of Hayley Stewart who Fountains are listening, please, please <laughs> apologise to Hayley on my behalf. She definitely doesn't identify as a he. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm so sorry. That, that, that'll that learn me. This typical bloke, Typical hey? Brendan. I've seen a headline. I've seen an article. Yeah, I yeah. I'm Stewart. 
I read I was it. Like, right. <laughs> I can't find the sauce in the fridge. Where is it? You know, that's one of those moments. Oh, um, yeah. But look. anyway, let me read to you from <laughs> Haley's article. Sorry, sorry, Haley Stewart. Um, as a child, my mother always played Handel's Messiah. So this is sort of in the lead up to Easter and around that time, which tells the story of God's love for humanity from Old Testament readings and prophecy to the Annunciation and all the way to the resurrection. Other beautiful options are Bach's St. Matthew's Passion. I remember that actually Mm. when I was a kid. My mum had that on a tape. Um, Or something that you can actually hear on Spotify, this this cool group of nuns called the Benedictines of Mary, uh, and they have a a cool little thing, I think it's still on Spotify, called Lent at Ephesus. Mm. And it's just them, the nuns, singing these beautiful choral uh, traditional Lenten Christian hymns and chants and stuff. It's, It's quite beautiful. So I thought that was quite cool, right, immersing your home in a in an Easter tone or mm. ambiance. Mm. The music's very important, I think, isn't it? Mm. You know, and it's the same with us for Christmas and Advent. You know, in Advent, I'm quite big on you don't listen to Christmas hymns until yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important with Lent that, you know, mm. try and keep things a bit more somber. Yeah. Yeah. Our children have a great tradition of getting strep throat at Lent, <laughs> and um, this year's no different. So. It's funny, eh? <laughs> so when, when you talk about leaning into Lent this week, I was like, oh, so that's going to be just waking up all the time to... <laughs> To dish out the painkillers and to a young and lad with strep throat. Yeah, it's not a good patient. It turns out because he doesn't get no. sick very often. So he's like, "What's actually happening right now?" He's like his dad. <laughs> not he's happy just, about it. He gets angry at the sickness. Very angry. Um, yeah, I've definitely had my arm slapped away a few times over the last few. Days. Uh, speaking of in, in Lent, if you're listening and you're a Catholic, you'll know that um, in Lent we don't say the Alleluia, and I believe um, I'm pretty sure the Anglican tradition is still doing that, and some others do as well, some other traditions. So we sort of drop the Alleluias for Lent, and then we bring them back in a big way for uh, Easter, at Easter time, because um, as Pope John Paul II once famously said, we are Easter people, and Alleluia is our song. And so it really sort of ramps up the the celebration of the resurrection. Um, That is because Alleluia means... He has risen. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. And, and he's so, not risen till Sunday. Yeah, that's right. And so it sort of it, it draws you into the Lent, and then when you have the resurrection, it really means the something. Reminder of the mystery. Yeah, yeah. And so the other day, our youngest daughter said to me, "Dad, that song it just came on Spotify. It's painting, and it just <laughs> on the playlist just came on. It was buried in there somewhere. And there was an Hallelujah, and the whole chorus was Hallelujah over and over again. And she says, "Dad, that song shouldn't be on. <laughs> so, awesome. I'm trained her well. So yeah. So so there's an ambiance to it that and and the music. You know, I guess some people out there listening would have their own music, you know, whether it's mm. some really cool uh, worship or themed stuff, or we might actually have a little playing of um, uh, Carmen's song, The Champion, about, you know, the devil and oh. Jesus having a boxing match. It's sort of presented. Yeah, maybe the Messiah instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but oh, both excellent <laughs> songs. Uh, yeah, so um, things like that, they're kind of cool. Um, she then goes on to talk about Holy Thursday. Uh, so that's just before Good Friday. Um, there is a tradition uh, that exists within Christianity of visiting seven churches uh, to pray and meditate on what happened to Jesus between the Last Supper and the crowning with thorns. The seven churches visitation would be overly ambitious for my children to mm-hmm. attempt after Identify. the Thursday night <laughs> service. Uh, but we may visit churches for prayer during the day on Thursday or the morning of Good Friday. And I thought you could actually even do that Um like, you know, you could do a virtual tour of the churches or something like that or or just do it at home. I think there were a few of those popped up during lockdown, actually. You could possibly look on YouTube. And, yeah. yeah. 
So that, that's quite cool. That's a, that's a cool little thing to do. Uh, then on Good Friday, she says, praying the Stations of the Cross. That's a traditional prayer. And I think uh, Catholics, Anglicans, and I think some other denominations, obviously the Orthodox as well, mm. uh, you know, those the Stations are quite they, – they are – for those who haven't prayed them before, just Google them. They're, it's really straightforward. Don't worry. There's no freaky deaky Catholic stuff, the, and I don't think there isn't. Is no. there? No. It, it's um yeah. It's a very ecumenical There's prayer. There's a few different versions out there as well. So. Yeah, yeah. And and what they do is don't get the weird wacky ones. There's some sort of politicized ones. You know, the Stations of the Cross for people who love whales stranded in the Antarctic. You know, whale things, sound. Whale yeah, sound. Stations yeah. of the Cross. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a that's a terrible Climate whale. That was something wrong with that whale. <laughs> um, but <laughs> dolphin. <laughs> so, um, but but the, the just get the the vanilla ones that that just get straight to the point. And that, and what they do is each station is a different part of Christ's journey to the cross mm. and and the passion. It's a very beautiful prayer. So traditionally, you pray that on Good Friday. Um, and then she says, um, Holy Saturday, the day of awful silence while Christ is in the tomb. It can be difficult to keep quiet if, like me, you live in a full and noisy house. On this day, Easter hasn't yet arrived, but we are inching closer. It can be helpful to do quiet activities with young children, like uh, completing colouring pages, which you can find online, eh? Or dyeing mm. eggs. I thought that was kind of cool because we tend to buy eggs, but eggs are so expensive. Well, yeah, actually, that we might not to. be dyeing <laughs> eggs, but we buy chocolate eggs. But maybe you know, um, I don't know about you. Do you remember as a kid that there were? I remember um, several Easter's actually. We didn't get chocolate eggs. We had those um, uh, marzipan, yeah. not marzipan. You know, icing. I eggs. know what you mean. You but know, who and, know? You don't like those, do you? I hate marzipan. But I remember, like, there's a lot of love went into that. And then there was also, I remember the Easter egg hunt back when eggs were not. You know the new gold standard underpinning <laughs> world economy. You should actually just give the kids actual eggs. <laughs> Save more them than kids chocolate. for your retirement. <laughs> but but you'd hard boil the eggs and then you'd paint them. We used to do it in school. I remember that. I don't, you know, no. maybe our school was a bit different, but maybe. we were cool back in the day. <laughs> but yeah, so she's dying eggs for the next day. Uh, she, this is quite a good point. She says we try to fast from most screen time activities. But our family tradition is to watch the Gospel of John, which I think I looked this morning. It's actually available on uh, YouTube, the whole thing, for free. Mm -hmm. uh, if we need to fill some extra time in a way that prepares our family for the Easter celebrations. Note for parents, there is a crucifixion scene, but it's not as graphic as the Passion of the Christ. You'd hope not. <laughs> That's a movie I want to watch, but you're like, no, our kids are not ready yet. Maybe the older ones. No, maybe just Lucy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a shame, eh? Like older the twins have sensibilities, sensitivities that I'd be like. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. would really. I think our son would be fine with it because he watches war films yeah, with me. Maybe. But um, <laughs> but I really, yeah, it's a shame. It's such a good mm. meditation, and it would be so great to be able to share that. I can't wait till we can share it with the kids, mm. man. Um, I hope they haven't all left home. You know, by the time the younger ones are ready for it, mm -hmm. that would be quite good. Uh, there's also other things like um, I was thinking in our house it would be cool to maybe um, uh, watch something like um, Jesus of Nazareth. You could start. Yeah, but you try and then. Well, yeah, we we had we had a bit of a roadblock last year, mm -hmm. but what we might do is find the part where the passion starts mm -hmm. and sort of watch that part of it. And um, or there's things like the movie King of Kings. There's the greatest story ever told. Mm -hmm. Even things like the robe or Ben Hur, which reference the events of the crucifixion. I mean, I know we're stretching a little bit here. But How about the, Prince of Egypt, babe? Prince of Egypt. Get that in there. The kids watch that almost every year. That, that is, you're actually, that is a valid. I will allow that. You better, because that's pretty much all they'll let you want. <laughs> that, that actually is a good choice. 
The Prince of Egypt is a beautiful because it's beautiful typology of Christ. Mm. That that's yeah, gosh, that's good. Good, excellent suggestion. Thank you. That's why we keep you on this podcast to bring the excellent suggestions when husband <laughs> is suggesting that we watch Terminator Three. Especially on Good Friday when our kids have sat through probably almost two hours of church, you know, and yeah, just yeah. wiped out. Yeah, yeah, that's true actually. Yeah. But there's something about that, there's something special about it's not your usual Netflix. It's not no. let's watch an episode of, you know, yeah. the frogs fighting the chickens or or Jurassic Park twenty seven or whatever it is, you know, mm. like there's something about it drawing aside, eh? Um, and then lastly, Easter Sunday, once Easter service is over, whether you go, like some, actually the Catholic tradition has a Saturday night vigil once it gets dark and we light the fire and go nuts uh, to celebrate the resurrection or whether it's Sunday morning, uh, family celebrations begin. The grief of the tomb has passed and the joy of the resurrection has arrived. Whether it's baskets of chocolate, egg hunts, or as in my household, the ancient and very traditional funfetti, is it funfetti? Mm. Cake in the shape of a bunny's face. Like sprinkles. There is no more joyous day in the Christian year. So what is funfetti cake? I think it's like sprinkles. Like literally just we sprinkles. sprinkles. Hundreds like, and thousands. Or, on yeah. a cake or, or yeah. like just a part of sprinkles? Like you used to decorate the cake. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. But you, just the way you're saying it made it sound like maybe it was just a part of sprinkles in the shape of, of a, bunny. <laughs> a bunny. No. It's cake called funfetti cake. Funfetti. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That, I, think, that, I mean, that makes a lot don't of sense. Quote me. I'm not American. Yeah, so um, that, but they're quite cool little ideas and, and I think it's good to do stuff like that, eh? Mm. Really, really immerse yourself in the Easter experience. And, and it's funny because I did a, a, a completely different podcast uh, for our church actually the other day. Mm. And on that podcast, we were talking about how um, the sort of the Western tradition is actually around the wrong way. We tend to think of Christmas as the big one mm. and Easter gets secondary status, but Easter is actually the most important one. That's and right. in the history of Christianity, it is the big feast. Mm. Christmas is not. It's important, but the, it's actually not as important as Easter. And we've sort of lost sight of that. Mm. And so when it comes to Christmas, we've got trees up, we've got all sorts of stuff going right. on. It's we have up for weeks. lilies, there's yeah. music, there's the whole shebang. Um, and here we are with Easter. We sort of just like steamroll into it, steamroll out of it. Mm. It really should be... A bit more lived, I think. Eh? That's right. Yeah, it's important. I think that kids kids pick up on little things. Like um, Eleanor this morning, she I was asking her what she wanted in her lunchbox for her sandwich, and she yeah. doesn't tend to stray too far <laughs> most days at the moment. But it's usually a marmite sandwich. Yeah, and it's either love heart shaped or butterfly shaped. And she said, "I'm going to have butterflies because they're a sign of new life." Wow. Oh yeah, but I think it's potentially her teacher doing a really good job. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so props to the resurrection. Teacher. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Because <laughs> yeah. they are, they are a traditional Christian yeah. symbol of resurrection. They go into their little cocoon. Cocoon is it? Uh, mm. their little Yes, cocoon. I thought there was another word for it. Maybe I'm getting that wrong. But um but yeah, and then they come out and uh, they're a beautiful butterfly. Mm. They have been resurrected to glory. That's right. Right, that music means it's time for our moment of goodness, truth or beauty and our scripture reflection for the month. 
Katie, as always, oh, it's me. ladies before gentlemen, what is your moment of goodness, truth, or oh, I'm having or a little beauty? giggle because I noticed that yours is something you read. Oh, spoiler alert. But <laughs> don't don't, don't, don't go stealing my moment. <laughs> often something you've read. And mine's often, hey, I've got this friend. Uh, and yeah, and yeah. I'm going to maintain tradition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so mine is um, a friend of ours, close friend of ours, has recently been diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. Um, and she's actually having her second chemo treatment today so if you have a moment say a prayer for her that goes well um she recently shaved off all her hair yeah and i went with her for that event yeah which was actually such a privilege and honor to be there with her and to see how she coped with that um and the moment isn't so much a moment as just an observation of her witness um so far throughout this experience she's been so positive uh, she's been so grateful to God. Yeah, she praises the Lord every chance she gets. It's beautiful. Eh? It's, it's very beautiful, beautiful, and it's beautiful to see the way her husband's caring for her. Mm. I'm sure behind closed doors, there's been oh, yeah. moments of difficulty be that we challenges. haven't seen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just really beautiful to see that witness of her hope in in the Lord. And her husband shaved his head too, and didn't he? he? In solidarity. Too. Yeah, I got to take some cool mohawk photos. She looks really awesome. good with a shaved head. <laughs> He, he looks a bit like a super villain. He's going to uh, grow back the mohawk, he tells me. Yeah, I think he did. Look, they both look good, actually, with yeah. that mohawk little thing. Yeah. Um, that's quite cool. And that's a, a little pro tip, actually, I realised when you went with her was that um, get photographs. Like they, yeah. the hairdresser took part of it off and their little cool mohawk thing. They got a photograph. Uh, they had a photograph before and then a photograph afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it was all sort of documented. I thought yeah. that was it. I thought it just really spoke to me and thought, no, that's actually an important thing to do, yeah. isn't it, if you go through something like that. Okay, well, I'll keep my tradition up then, and I will read. And I will read to you a reflection that I read the other day. Not the whole thing, just a little bit of it. I thought it was actually quite cool. Related to Easter for me this month, it really sort of has been on my heart a lot. And it's from um, Fulton Sheen, uh, who's a famous uh, American Catholic bishop, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. And he really was the guy who... I think he was one of the first to actually pioneer the use of modern media, television and radio to promote the gospel. And he became uh, like a household name in America because of it. But he wasn't just what you might think of as a, I don't know, when you say TV preacher. Yeah, televangelist. It doesn't sound. Billy, what's his name? Uh, uh, Billy? No, no not Billy yeah. Graham. Um, but, um, you know, some of those negative examples, the stereotypes. <laughs> you don't, a televangelist is, you know, hocking snake oil and asking for money. That's what you tend to think of. He's, he's definitely not there. And he was quite intelligent and very clever and witty and articulate. And there's this beautiful reflection he has about Mary Magdalene and Jesus and coming out of the tomb and being addressed by Jesus. But it was just the, the end bit that really struck me. And he said this, only purity, he's talking about the two Marys that are pivotal in these key points of Jesus's life. So only purity and sinlessness could welcome the all holy son of God into the world which is why Mary met him at the door of earth in the city of Bethlehem. I thought that's that's a beautiful little statement. And then he says this, this is the bit that really struck me, but only a repentant sinner who had herself risen from the grave of sin to the newness of life in God could fittingly understand the triumph over sin. To the honor of womanhood, it must forever be said, a woman was closest to the cross on Good Friday and first at the tomb on Easter morning. And I thought it's really beautiful, like the, the whole fittingness of this woman who has been forgiven from her sin, who is there first to to meet Christ as he overcomes sin and death by walking out of that grave. And 
Yeah, and the fact that it is. It, like the men actually, apart from John, the men bail on Jesus. Mm. And one of them, <laughs> the chief guy, Peter, actually three times says, I don't know this guy. I'll, I'll, I'll say whatever you want me to say to, mm. to confirm I don't know this guy. Like it's really bad. But the woman, stay faithful. Mm. It's really quite beautiful, isn't it? Is it in John's gospel where there's that whole bit about like there's the little race after Mary says, I've seen Jesus? Uh, the foot race. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, that's and, in and Mark, like, isn't it? Is this, gospel, is this disciple that got there first or whoever? There's like a little kind of. That's in there. Mark. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's in Mark. Always makes me laugh every yeah. year. Yeah, that, <laughs> it's like, yes, you got there first. <laughs> well, maybe you're right. Maybe it is in John. Gosh, that's everybody shocking. to listen very closely on Sunday. Do your, you do your research and, and come back to us and tell us how wrong we were. But, yeah, you're right. Who won the foot race? I got there first, suckers. Yeah, it's funny, eh? That's the blokes. That is the, that's the blokes. The women are faithful. They're caring. They're doing the burial spices. And the blokes are like, I'm getting there first, loser. Get out of my way. And I'm going to write it down. And yeah, yeah. Gonna everyone's going to know for all of, all of human history that I was here first. Someone write it down. Put that down in the book now. Yeah, it's so funny, eh? That is, that is, that's typical. That is the difference between men and women. Absolutely. What is a woman? Well, she's there with Jesus. Oh, mm. beautiful, beautiful stuff. Okay, so scripture reflection. What is your scripture, Katie? Uh, mine is from Psalm 46. Yes. Um, I just read a couple of little bits. Just It's just really stuck with me. I actually read it to my friend on the way to have her head shaved. Mm. Um, and it was the psalm for the day, and it just seemed very appropriate. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. And then the end of it is, Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Beautiful. As you were saying that, I was reminded actually, you often hear this on Good Friday um, from that famous passage from the Psalms that Jesus quotes on the cross, uh, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 21. And um, a lot of people hear that and they go, oh my gosh, Jesus is crying in desperation, but it's actually a particular type of Jewish prayer. And it reminded me, that Psalm you already reminded me of it, where they start with this very powerful, overwhelming cry of lamentation. You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But if you read the, all the way through the end of that psalm, by the end of the psalm, the psalmist is saying uh, and professing this profound trust and hope that God will save and God will deliver. Mm. It's a particular type of Jewish prayer where they start with the lamentation and they always end with a bold declaration of trust in God. Mm. And that's what Jesus is doing. So he's crying out with the lamentation that also, everyone who heard him say that would have known, that's also a prayer of hope. And trust, and and it's you really hear that that psalm mm. that you were sharing there, eh? That that yep. absolute this bold certainty of who God is, mm. and no matter the the challenge or the struggle, He's there. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful, beautiful. For me, I, I've um, chosen to read uh, the entire book of Isaiah. As uh, Katie's <laughs> looking here at the screen, I because I, I, I um, copy and pasted this. Um, but yeah, it's uh, one of the readings you hear on Good Friday. If you're at a Good Friday liturgy or service, you'll often hear this from Isaiah 53. Uh, verses 3 to 11, and I thought I'd read it because it's just, yeah, I mean, it speaks for itself. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity, and as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, 
struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our, our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By a perversion of justice he was taken away. Who could have imagined his future? For he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked, and his tomb with the rich. Although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him with pain. When you make his life an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring and shall prolong his days. Through him the will of the Lord shall prosper. Out of his anguish he shall see light. He shall find satisfaction through his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, shall make many righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. I, I just That's very powerful. Eh? That is such a, I mean, it's just timeless. Mm. You know, still today, it's the power of the the profound, life-giving, life-saving power of Christ's suffering and death and resurrection and the awful pathos and suffering of that, mm. what was born. And you hear that. it's it's. I mean, poetic doesn't do it justice. I don't know about you, but for me, mm. you think, oh, it's very poetic, but it's, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's transformatively real in a different kind of way of mm. speaking, if that makes sense. I think they call it prophecy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for ruining that beautiful little moment of uh, uh, you know <laughs> emotional sort of intimacy that I was trying to sort of go for there with the <laughs> listeners. But yeah, it is. There's something about it that way. That's um, yeah, man, mm. powerful, powerful stuff. Mm. Alrighty, so it's time to jump into our listener questions to take this episode on home and we've got three questions today the first one is this how do you address marital intimacy issues when one spouse has had previous sexual relationships and struggles to fully embrace christian teaching on sexuality katie did you have any thoughts about this you have thoughts about that first well yeah when i read the question my first thought was uh what's or i guess the context matters Mm. like is it Intimacy issues in a sense that, um, like, you know, is, it, is, this, is this a communication issue is the question, I guess. Mm. Like, is it just we haven't talked about this, so we need to talk about this, and we're coming at it from different perspectives, and that's creating challenges? Yeah. Or is it that there's expectations around intimacy that are completely… Different. Yeah. Out that, of balance. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I think… It kind of sounds like the second one to me a little bit. Yeah, yeah that yeah. that does, doesn't it? That, yeah. And that would make a big difference. Well, I think anything like this you've got to talk you've got to communicate and what happens the tendency i think is not to talk because it is easier just to sort of clam up and go your own ways and distract yourself and and hope the problem solves itself Mm. and that's both men and women i think it's just you know and it often takes a bit of commitment to sit down make the time conversations yeah and to have that say look you're pretty good at this actually am i because you think i don't know i think before i got married no we don't we don't have these big issues but but you you you, what i mean with is you'll often say look i just i'm feeling right now a little bit like um i'm not being seen or Hmm. i'm feeling like i'm sometimes i'm good at it and sometimes i'm like 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Often it, it does come after it an explosion. Like, oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I find out one way or another. <laughs> you sure do. <laughs> um, it, it, I think a lot of people go into marriage thinking, oh, we're getting married, we love each other. It won't be difficult to have those conversations. Yeah. Because we'll be married. And yeah. we'll be together all the time and we'll yeah. never have any, we'll just have so many opportunities for all these amazing conversations. And that's true in one sense, but it still takes work in another yeah. way, you know, like especially when it's something that's uncomfortable to bring up or yeah. that's become a source of hurt or injury in the marriage. Yeah. I think, um, and particularly if you are, I don't want to say unequally yoked, but in this particular situation, yeah. if, a, if one partner is not, what did it say? Um, so they've had previous yeah. sexual relationships, yeah. so that implies the other spouse hasn't, yeah. and they struggle to fully embrace the yeah. Christian teaching. On so sexuality. if one spouse is struggling with that teaching, and it's yeah. not an easy teaching, yeah, yeah, um, I'm not sure in what way they're struggling, like specifically. About well, it, but may, maybe it's they don't. They think, oh, this doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you've probably in that case. I, I would just as you're speaking, I was thinking maybe you might also want to bring a pastor or a priest yeah. or someone wise to mentor into that situation to help them out there. There's some great books that you can read around that. Like maybe it's a gently, gently approach as opposed to a, this is what I believe and you have to get on board or yeah. you have to accept it and you can't. Yeah. 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 The challenge, I guess, is if the person is saying, well, I don't get this, this Christian teaching on sexuality at all. And I just think you should never deny yourself. Mm. And the other person's going, no, no, I believe in sexual virtue in the marriage and yeah. and, and it's not, you know, it's just not a free-for-all. And mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? That's where it, I think where your trickiness would come. Yeah. But I think one of the things that would definitely be worth doing is we often have a tendency, I think, to think, well, I've got to uh, save my spouse. Mm. Uh, but we don't do that anyway But it's, because it's not our job to save no. anyone. It's our job to bring them to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he so, does the saving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But our tendency is to think, well, I've got to solve the problem. Yeah. But maybe the way it's not actually, maybe our job is to actually just say to the person, well, would you consider coming along with me to talk with our pastor or our mm. minister or some really Even great couple that you get along with? Yeah, a well. couple who yeah. know the stuff and have yeah. got the ability to have worked through this issue. They might have their yeah. own story. It might be a great place for a mentorship yeah. relationship with another couple. Yeah. Because everybody's got definitely got something they can relate to and yeah, yeah. helpful things to. To add, if they're living a good Christian life and a good marriage, I would say start early. Mm. Like, if you're aware that's an issue, get onto it straight away. Mm. Because if you don't, what I think will happen is it will develop and it will actually uh, it will start to cement. Mm. And then, it, where, as it cements, there's another deeper layer that's more difficult to deal with. Mm. And as it cements, you know, this is that old saying that if you defer a conflict, a small conflict, it will you will still have to have that conflict, but it'll be much larger. Yeah. So it's better to actually just get onto it straight away, and I think you've got to be honest. Mm. Uh, and particularly if you're the probably if you're the Christian, so you're the believing spouse, you are going to know that certain ideas that secular culture mm. has about sexuality are not just anathema; they're not something you ever do. But they would actually make you feel very uncomfortable if someone was wanting to uh, bring those into your marital yeah. bed. And so you've got to be honest about that. And and. I think that's, you know, if you've made a vow to someone, I will love you and faithfully, fully give myself to you for life. And then you sort of turn around and try and say, well, sure, I made that vow, but I want you to actually now live out the way I want you to live it out. Mm. I, I I think you've got a conflict well, there. The whole because you love me, if you love me, you'll yes. do it. Yeah. Yep. And, and I think we need to be clear. You don't have to do anything that makes you uncomfortable. No. You have the right to say no. Yeah. Even if yeah. you're married. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's really important because I think yeah. in a lot of Christian relationships that line can get really blurred. Yeah. And people think because they're married, it's their duty to say yes to whatever the other person wants yeah. because it makes them happy. Yeah. But if you have a line that you don't want to go past, you yeah. don't have to go past it. Yeah, you're 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 you have given yourself bodily to the other, but so have they, but it's yes. in love. Yeah. It's not, um, it's not your body has not been surrendered as a piece of property for that other person to use. And I think yeah. that's really, really important to understand. Absolutely. Mm. And that's where the limit is. So if someone says, well, I'm demanding that, you know, you made this vow to me, so you must do this thing. You are now treating that person as a piece of property. And that person has every right, uh, I believe, absolutely, in the eyes of God to say, hey, hold on a minute. Mm. No, no, no. That's, that's not the vow we made, actually. That's right, yeah. It's not the vow we made. So, yeah, that, that's a really, really good point. But you got to talk and you got to get onto it early, I think. And this is, again, another reminder. I think we might have talked about this in the last episode. Before you even get married, be aware <laughs> and be prepared. And it might even be a deal breaker. And be honest. Because this is big stuff. It might well be the deal breaker. And, and it, to me, it's becoming more and more apparent that community matters so much and that, like, the communal beliefs that you hold go into the community of your marriage. And if you're not in sync there... Mm. It can be real trouble. So it's it's something if you're not married to really to consider. Our second question is this: is how do you deal with arguments in the family home? And I guess there's Ooh. tears of arguments in a family home, isn't there? And there's lots of tears that follow the family, family arguments. As well. Yeah, yeah, Brenda's, yeah. But Brenda's how do you deal with arguments? Hash it out. Hash it out. Hash yeah, it out. Don't go to your room and sulk. Yep. Um, which I agree with to some extent, <laughs> but I think there's an argument for. Everybody handles those emotions and those moments yeah. differently, and it's okay if you're a person that needs to just have some time. Yeah, to take that time, especially if you know that if you don't take that time, yeah, I'm putting my hand up. You will blow up. You know, you'll yeah. say something you regret. You'll do something you regret, and that's not that's never ideal, especially with children in the home. Yeah. Um. So that's sort of more arguments between us, maybe, which. Well, it, I get, but it also our kids would play this out too. Yeah. They would probably. Yeah. It's interesting seeing our kids how they manifest these yeah. different approaches. I'm less likely to let kids go and sulk, depending yeah. on who it is and why they need to have a little moment. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I agree with the that. The old teenage huffy puffy stomp off doesn't fly too well with me. No, so. no, we had one last night actually, didn't we? And I had to sort of call someone back and say, "Hey, look, let's have a chat." Um, I think it's an interesting one. Um, because you're right, you don't want a, a a volcano that's out of control. So it's better to actually have someone who goes away, just simmers away a bit, and then comes back when the pressure's down. And, and, if, deals you, with and it. if you have a person in your house that's like that, which I am, and a couple of our kids are, I think it's important to respect that, especially mm. as they get older, to respect that. Hey, yeah. they actually just need ten minutes to cool off, and then yeah, the conversation will actually be a lot more yeah sensible and productive. Yeah, and solutions yeah, can yeah, be found. I had this the other night good. with Lucy actually, um, when she came out and said. When I'm 16, I'm going to get my nose pierced. And my first instinct was absolutely not. <laughs> not if I take <laughs> I your nose off yeah, here yeah. and now, and young missy. This whole stupid argument about she yeah. had to pay board if she did that. And, all yeah, that. and yeah. when I went away and she went away and I had a little thinking, I was like, I actually don't have a good reason for her not to do that. It was just a knee-jerk reaction that did, turned into a Did you have a chat argument. about it afterwards? Ca- I came back downstairs. She came yeah. out of the lounge. She said, I'm sorry. And I said, look, I actually don't have a good reason. These are the... You know, these are the circumstances around which that could happen. We can have a conversation about it, but we both just needed to take ten minutes. Take cool, five. Cool our jets, as Brendan would say. Cool, cool. your jets. And cool down, gang. <laughs> just relax. <laughs> Chill. Chill out. Oh, like the nineteen seventies Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah hey, that's dude. it, man. Chill out. Come on, dudes, relax. <laughs> um, yeah, we just needed that time. Yeah, and then we could both have that conversation. And yeah, yeah that that's good. I I think too. 
a big part of it here is is possibly as well is well, there's a couple of things for me. One is um, like we had a situation last night where we had one of our children had a bit of a um, explosion, but then you were also a bit stressed, and so I'm like the husband. I'm like, what do mm. I do? Because the tendency I think as blokes is we want to run away, mm. and we want to go. Oh no, run away! A lot of blokes run away by going on their phones. I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. Or mm. the, like my my wife is Just fighting. Because you're in the room does not mean you're present if you're Ex- on your phone. Exactly. So, um, yeah, whoever you are out there, you husbands who, <laughs> I know, me. I've seen you. Oh, me, oh, okay. Um, no, yeah, um, so, uh, like, a lot of husbands, you're like, oh, my wife's fighting with the kids again, uh, you know, or my kids are fighting with my wife again, or I don't want to put my head in the middle of this tornado, this firestorm. Mm-hmm. And it, But you've actually got to, I think, get invested, and it can be a bit challenging, mm-hmm. and it's hard because you've you've got that one thing of the united front. Parents, mm. I think, should try and maintain a united front. Yes. But then, if one parent is being unreasonable, I actually think that 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 uh, that gets called into question. Mm. And but that's really hard. The that's whole very hard to manage because there's often yeah. the feeling that I often feel that yeah. you are undermining me. Yeah. If you step in, and vice versa, but I'm not allowed to do it to you. No, but no, you do do it to me. So that's <laughs> what I'm saying. And I'm I'm I realize right I'll now. often realize yeah. Yeah, that, that she was right. It's hard to find that, yeah, you've got to sort out the argument yeah, and then have a conversation later about well, you know, I, what's the actual right way for us to... Well, I think also, t- yeah, yeah, true, that. but I think also too is I think there's a danger that if we're not careful, we end up showing our kids this idea that you just side with someone even when they're actually not right. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So yep. we, and, and it's, it's, it is a heck of a challenge. This is where I think one of the key things you've got to do is if you've got kids is you've got to teach them how to argue well. Mm. So it's we often sort of think, oh, yeah, our spouses will get this sorted out and our kids will sort of be bystanders. But you've actually got to, I think, help them to learn how to navigate yes. a disagreement well. Yeah. Because that's where the problems are. That's right, because there's no life without arguments, you know. Like yeah. you can't just say, oh, it's such a happy home, we never have arguments because yeah. that's not true. Like, Yeah. That is yeah. a baloney. We basically have fight club in, in the bedrooms. <laughs> well, so here, how do we deal with it? Well, between between Katie and I, we have to have an agreement, a, a gentlemanly, ladyly, lady, ladyly, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen <laughs> agreement, agreement, a gentlewomanly agreement, and a, and a gentlemanly agreement that we um, that we don't uh, like. If we have to walk away and come back later, we will. Mm. That we'll be honest with each other. That we will communicate. Uh, so if something needs to be talked about, we'll have that conversation mm. at some point. Uh, that we never disparage each other in front of the children. Mm. Uh, that we're a united front should be happening. We don't ever like. Let's say it was something minor, and what I mean by minor is, um, Mum says, uh, "Oh yeah, okay, son, you can go fishing today." And Dad's like, "No, he can't go fishing because he didn't clean his room." So to me, that's. I mean, yeah, it is minor. I think it's mm. you know. It's it's not a situation of either spouse being unreasonable towards the children. It's mm. just a disagreement about how to handle the situation. So we we have this united front thing, and then we talk about it quietly, mm. and then come back with a, you know. So so you have those sort of rules, mm. I think, and then you also have to have a set of rules for your kids. Mm. What is the limit? And and so one of the things I do is whenever I'm around and there's an argument happening in my vicinity, I will. Generally speaking, unless I'm the cowardly lion and I can hear that it's just a silly... Like my two daughters this morning, mm. they had an argument about something to do with who hung what in the oh, yep. in the wardrobe. And, every day. and I'm like, yeah. this is going to be over in two minutes. It's silly. Yeah. They've blown up over nothing. You leave it. And sure enough, it was. Mm. And they did actually talk to Dad. I heard them within about 30 seconds to a minute. They were suddenly talking rationally to each other. 
Other times, though, what I'll do is I will, if it's a bit more than that, it's more intense, I'll, I will step in. I make a deliberate decision to step in and mm. I just adjudicate. Mm. And I think you've got to sometimes just say, okay, well, what's going on? Mm. And um, you know me, I've got this um, hard and fast <laughs> uh, rule where I'm like, no, you don't get to speak. You tell me in your words. Like, this mm. is something that's blown up. You tell me exactly what happened according to you. And the other person, no, because the other person will go, no, 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 that's not what it was. I'm the innocent party. They're guilty. And you're like, no, you get to say in just a second, you get to have your say. And then we switch it over and the other person has to stay silent. And then that gives you as a parent enough info usually to gauge and to lay down a bit of um, disciplinary outcomes yeah, and Sometimes it's a matter of divide and conquer a little bit, like send, yep. send them to the separate rooms to have a little, yep. little bit of time and think about what happened and... Yeah. What you could have done differently. Yeah. I was like that question. Yeah, that's a good How one. How could you have handled ha- this differently? Yeah, exactly. That is a question we ask a lot in our home. Here's the thing. There's 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 got to be some hard and fast absolutes though. Mm. I will never ever tolerate anyone who is uh raising their voice and abusing my wife. That is never to happen and includes my kids. Um I will never ever tolerate uh violence. I will never tolerate spiteful, mm-hmm. mean uh, uncharitable venom being spat at people. Like even if you've got a genuine argument, if it's turning into name calling, no. Yep. Uh, I'll never tolerate just an unaccountable, uncontrolled screaming match. That's just, mm. that ain't happening in our house. We've, we've got a seven-year-old who likes to have a screaming match yeah. all by herself. Yep. And so so she, it's hard because she is a bit of a... She's a firebrand. She yeah. is. She's a firebrand. And I'm I'm a mad Irishman. And so you have, we have to go head to head sometimes. Like, nope, into your room, please. And... You know, and you just you just got to bear with it. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's certain non-negotiables, um, and a part of it's training people. And uh, then I think it's just navigating through um, the argument. So it's communicating, teaching people how to mm. argue well, and uh, and then also um, I think being referee when you need to. And I think to add on at the end, um, we always have a say sorry. Yep. You know, apologize if you've said something hurtful. Apologize if you've done something hurtful. Yep. Um, offer a forgiveness afterwards. Yeah, the other party must forgive, right? That's a big deal in our house. If someone says sorry and it's genuine, mm. you know, that Christian Which call to forgiveness. Is, is, they get more teenagers. Oh, it's so <laughs> it's funny. genuine yeah. is important. Yeah, the, 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 the sorry is like, sorry. And the forgiveness is like, I forgive you. <laughs> so it's quite There's something funny. important about saying those words. Yep. I know it can seem a little bit kind of formulaic, but there's no. something important about that. Yeah, because yeah. some people try and argue, oh, it's just tried if they You're don't mean it. them to say it. But here's yeah. what I believe. I think that's wrong. Mm. I actually think what happens is that the more you say something, the more you start to believe it, and mm. it changes your heart and your mind. Your that's attitude right, shifts yeah. as you speak it out loud. I really do believe that. So it actually often is the catalyst to bring you into forgiveness, a genuine attitude. It's not either or. I think it's both end. Mm. Uh, last question for the episode. How do you navigate? I've got, I've got this wrong too, actually, when I wrote it down. How do you navigate disciple roles in the family home? But it's discipline roles. I had to ask. How do, how do you? Could be either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you navigate discipline roles in the home? Well, it kind of feeds into the previous question a bit, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. It's a very typical thing, I think. It's yeah, the, I think we're quite the masculine strength, the feminine yeah. strengths. They are brought to bear in a very, I think, wholesome and complementary kind of way. Mm. I am the enforcer. I am the the long hand of the law. Mm. Um, sometimes that means the enforcer is not the sheriff isn't in town when he should be. He maybe sitting sitting on the couch watching his rugby or something. He's, oh, and yes. he, you know what I mean. He's yeah, not. Yeah. He, has you to know, be upon. he has to be called upon. I have to dial one one one. Um, and sometimes I know for you, you 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 sort of say you feel like you're the constant, like like they don't listen. Why aren't they listening to me? Mm. Or you're the 
you're the discipline parent, I'm the fun parent. I did feel like that the other week, yeah, because yeah. you were all like, we're going to go out fishing at night time and yeah. we're going to do this. And I was like, totally out your bedroom. <laughs> yeah, poor old mum. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, well, so basically uh, you describe what your role is. Mine is really is the enforcer. It's the long hand of the law. It's mm. the, this is the nuclear option. Well, I think you're also quite a good backup mm. that um, if mum says, hey, you actually need to do this. You do homework before you can have your screen time. That's yeah. that's a rule in our house, right? Like if you've done yeah. all your homework, then you get to have game time on Thursday afternoon. Um, if we got to Thursday afternoon and homework hadn't been done, yeah, then, and I would say, you haven't done your homework. Mm. This is your time allowance to do it. Then you can have your screen time. That means you get less screen time. This yeah. is the choice you have made. And usually that's enough. Yeah, You've made this choice. You could have done it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you chose not to. Yeah. So now you have to use your game time yeah. to do your homework. Good call. Usually, that's enough. Yeah. Lay down, like make a boundary, stick to it. Yeah, you know? lay down the law. But if something kicks off, that's usually where, where backup enforcer gets called in. If and, it kicks and, off. And usually all you have to say is exactly what I said. <laughs> yeah, we call. a man voice. Yeah. And it's, it, I'm, oh, okay, I'm, I'm not getting out of this, you know. I know you find that frustrating, eh? It's like, oh, not Because really. you'll tell them 10 times yeah. and dad comes in once, he's like, Clean up your room yeah. right now. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, Dad. I was always yeah. going to do it. I'll do it as fast as I can. Problem, Mum. I also know. talk about how when you were travelling a lot, and mm. um, so I had to be enforcer and yeah, that's <laughs> whatever right. my role the kids is, are a bit have a name. Mm. Um, boundary setter. I always talk about the Charlie Brown voice oh, syndrome, yeah, yeah, where yeah. after about wah, five wah, days of Mum being in charge, literally, I'm sure that's what they hear. Like they don't even hear me. And I would notice myself dropping a register. Tidy up your room, you know, like yeah, so yeah. That they're like, oh, man voice. A couple of times yeah. I've got your brother, who sounds quite a lot like you, to <laughs> to deal with Nathaniel when you've been away because I think he just yeah, oh, oh daddy, <laughs> oh, oh, the ghost of Christmas like past is coming for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I think the key thing is you've got to communicate to again about um, what the the boundaries and expectations are if you're talking about discipline roles because each family will be different. Yeah, and you'll have different ways of handling it. I would imagine. Um, I think the key thing is probably having a conversation about when do you, like if, if one party you feel has maybe overstepped the bounds mm. and how do you have that conversation together um, without it actually turning into an absolute family meltdown. So yeah. how do you, so you've seen me doing something, you think, oh, you've been a bit hard on the kids or vice versa. Yeah, or, yeah. You know. there's a conversation so, for not in front of the Yeah, children. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you've got to navigate those kinds of things. Yeah. I think you've, Really what you've got to have some agreement on too is how, what the interplay is. We generally have a, 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 gen, a genuine sort of give and take. So some moments you'll be the front line, other moments mm. I'll be the front line mm. uh, and you're backing up and, and vice versa. Um, what you probably want to avoid though is dad or mum just as this sort of distant observer yeah. and the other parents they struggling you're away. Both, you're both on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can't leave one to do the whole job. And I think also um, – not to interfere with each other. No. Like if I'm in there setting the boundaries, yeah. you don't need to jump in no. unless the boundaries aren't being respected. Yeah. You know, like that can actually get, I think that's confusing for the kids as well. Yeah. You know, like there's no need to go from, what do you call it? Defcon, whatever. Yeah. Don't Def press Con the red button until you have to, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do not open the briefcase. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 
Yeah, that, that's so true. Because that, and that's a, I think that's a bloke that's problem. Escalate a wee bit. Blokes will walk into the room, yeah, yeah, totally yeah. oblivious. They'll hear mum, and she clearly mum's struggling a bit, and they'll go, "What the heck is going yeah, on here?" Yeah, yeah. And mum has literally just started, like, and she's not okay. struggling. I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> and then next minute, um, son is like, "Oh, mummy, mummy, save me!" Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah. like, so it's um, yeah, yeah, it's um, you've got to. That's true. You've got to. I think awareness, situational yeah. awareness, knowing what's going on. And, um, and that's where most of that is helpful. Yeah, the old Not phone. Not so many phones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. Um, I think too, it's um, it's a matter of sort of figuring out uh, what does it look like if you need to escalate, maybe as well. Mm. Like, um, you know, do you? How does that work? Do you, you know, do you call on your husband or do you say, right, mm. you can go, I'm going to talk to Dad when you get home? Sort of figuring out some of those things. You know what that what that yeah. uh, means. And there's moments where probably the two of you have to sit down, and we've done this, mm. both together with the child because it's mum and oh, dad. Yeah, it's yeah. so serious and it's after the fact and yeah. the two of you are sitting there. It's it's not just dad coming in as the sort of the long arm of the law. Yeah. It's mum and dad together sitting down with you because this is a family bond. It out. Yeah. So it's not yeah. just discipline now. The family bond has been broken, if you like. Yeah. You know, we often say in our home, you know, we, as Malones, we don't do that. That's not what we do as Malones. Mm. It's not our way. And so there's a bond, if you like, a, a, um, a profound culture of our family. Mm. And when mum and dad are together with you, gosh. I think that's an important you know. thing as well, the family culture. You know, like mm. um, if you're in a marriage where you do come from different cultures, you obviously got your different backgrounds. Yeah. And definitely we came from quite different disciplinarian style backgrounds. Yeah. Um, but even culture can make that a big difference yeah. as well. So I think it's important to actually have those conversations and go, well, this was appropriate in my childhood, but is it appropriate for yeah. our children? And yeah, great. Yeah, that's great. Important conversations to have. Very good point. Again, yeah. before you even and get talking married. about each child, you yeah. know, our, our five children are all very different in how they respond to dis- discipline oh, yeah. and different kinds of disciplines. Different, so it's figuring out what works for each child. Yeah, and being consistent with it, which yeah. honestly is one of the hardest parts of parenting. It, it really is. is is tiring. You just want to give up half the time. The, there isn't can't. there isn't a one size fits all yeah. for your children or for discipline. It just yeah, isn't. Right. And and be very wary of anyone who says here's a formula. Yes. There are basic rules, but there's yeah. not a formula. And I think that's important to recognise. So you're right. Each yeah. child will be different. And the each first situation rule is always the, the, the only rule really is we come back to it again. We talked about it before is love. You know. Yeah. The first rule yeah. is love. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes love looks like go to your bedroom yep. and have some time by yourself. Yeah, tough love. <laughs> Truth and goodness, uh, you can't have love without it. And Absolutely. my mum said something quite wise to me once when our kids were quite little and she said, um, sometimes Catherine, she calls me Catherine, <laughs> she's being advisory and serious, sometimes Catherine, it's it's absolutely fine for you to put yourself in time out. <laughs> it's actually really good advice. Sometimes yeah. I just need to take myself out of the situation. Yeah. I'm the one that's escalating it. Yeah. Take myself away. Yeah. Let it diffuse. Yeah, awesome. And, and give myself a moment, you know? Yeah, that's cool. So I think knowing yourself is also important. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Well said. Well, on that note, it's time to wrap up this episode. Pretty chock full of content. Mm. Uh, please support us, folks. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash media. If you're into the whole cultural commentary, political commentary, stuff like that, you will love uh, that option. Because if you become a $5 patron, you get access to over 12 hours worth of exclusive patrons-only content every single month. If you're not really so fussed, and I know some people aren't, they're not really <laughs> fussed on political commentary, and my wife's not a huge fan of it. She puts her hand up. Um, that, there's, uh, the other way to do it would be to go to lifenet.org.nz, uh, go to our homepage so that there is a, sorry, stumbling over my words there, there is a donate button in the top right corner, and it's got our bank account details there, and you can make a contribution. Uh, so every little bit though helps the ministry work that we're doing so a huge thank 
you to all of our supporters. And don't forget, send us your questions and your topics uh, at lifenet.org.nz. At the top of our homepage, there's a scrolling banner, and it allows you to click on that, fill out the form, totally anonymous, and uh, we don't use names anyway, and we will talk about your questions and your issues on future episodes. I guess the only thing left to say, Katie, is, um, yeah, everyone have a blessed and holy Easter. Amen. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll see you next time. Don't forget, live by goodness, truth, and beauty, not by lies. And we will see you next time on The Little Flock. See you next time. The Little Flock is a joint production of the LifeNet Charitable Trust and LeftFoot Media. If you enjoyed this show, then please help us to ensure that more of this great content keeps getting made by becoming a patron of the show at patreon.com forward slash leftfootmedia. Thanks for listening. See you next time on The Little Flock.